Tight end Brevin Jordan at 5K is one of my favorite price floor ceiling candidates. Swipe Sports, your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Nice little Brevin Jordan there in the open. 6-140 in one line from him. Great spot. Hopefully you uh, win in on him. And then on the other side, <laughs> that game was so ridiculous. Uh, Javante Williams, I said, I think he's good, good for, due for a little bounce back here. Nice spot to produce. And he had something like 23 rushes for 236 yards and three touchdowns. The best part was he wasn't even the leading rusher for UNC. Michael Carter had 24 carries, 308 yards, and two touchdowns himself. How's that even possible? I mean, you don't want to use the Q word, but um, how five over 500 yards rushing. It's like JV Varsity. Come on, Miami. Keep bringing out that turnover chain, guys. I was texting a buddy during that game that uh, I'm fairly certain that Miami's coaching staff is going to go to the officiating crew and say, uh, just get the mercy clock going for the second half. Just just don't stop running that. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to be on this field right now, clearly. Wow, that was crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got to week 16 or whatever week. I, I can't keep track anymore. Everyone's opting out. Everyone's canceling games. Um, it's, it's a shit show. But, you know, to make it a little more interesting, I'm going to keep kind of uh, – trying out these pods every week and uh, seeing what we can do. There, there are games to be played. There are lineups to be set. So as long as there are, uh, so shall I be. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to start with the game-by-game uh, -game CFB DFS preview for the DraftKings slate on the Saturday's day contest and then jump into some NFL where um, by road to a winning record on the season. Just got quite a bit harder after a tough week last week, but we'll talk about it. Let's uh, jump into the college football contest here, starting now. Okay, welcome in one and all. Let's get right off the bat. We got about 11 games to go as of right now. I'm doing this on a Thursday night. I'll be doing another part of it Friday morning, but um, there's still... News constantly breaking about players, teams, all of it. So let's jump into a first game, Old Miss at LSU. Huge implications here with a script that has Old Miss minus 2.5 over under of 78. Um, and that was before, at least I checked, it may have gone down that total because uh, tight end Kenny Yeboah and wide receiver Elijah Moore. Big news is... Just minutes ago, saw they opted out of the season, and they are going to turn their attention to the NFL draft. So um, they're two big, big guns um, in that running gun Ole Miss offense where they just throw the ball all over the place, especially with Elijah Moore, who's probably one of the most productive receivers in college football over the last couple of seasons. Um, and you can tell, I mean, by his price, it's almost near 10K. I think he's the most expensive position player on the board and a good reason for that so um, I think that's kind of where you start here is um, what does it all mean what does it mean for 
Matt Corral. What does it mean for the rest of the guys who um, likely will be absorbing some of the production and picking up the slack that left by Yeboa and Moore? Who are the best candidates? And the guys, naturally, I think that they'll turn to our Dontario Drummond, Braylon Sanders, and Jonathan Mingo. Um, and who should benefit the most? It's a giant guess, really. I think from a price standpoint, I like Jonathan Mingo if he suits up to play. Um, he has two or more catches in five of the six games that he's played in this season. I think he missed some time, maybe one or I think two games for either an undisclosed injury, or maybe COVID circumstances. But um, when he's in there, he's good for a few catches. I think obviously more of an expanded role, more opportunity here you would expect to get with more and Yeboah out. Uh, and he's also had a couple spots this season where he proved he could pop and have uh, really highly productive games, you know, over 100 yards or maybe like seven, eight catch a game. So this is just a very high octane offense that throws the ball a ton around. I don't think that style will change at all. That's what Laney likes to do. He likes to uh, run and gun, and that's not going to change no matter who's in there at receiver. So um, my pick would be Mingo because of the price point um, at 3,700. I just think um, if you can get like a five or six catch game, you know, even 50, 60 yards at that price, that's returning a lot of value and also the cap flexibility it gives you for the rest of your roster. I would go with him because really it is a giant guess, you know, who is going to be the guy who has the most productive day or the most expanded production because of the absence of these two guys. So just go with the lowest price guy. That's that's my approach here, and that's what I'm doing with Mingo. Um, any of the other guys aren't necessarily jumping out to me from like, oh, well, that guy's way more talented than this guy. I don't think you can really say that yet. They haven't had the opportunity to showcase their skill set because of how much they use Elijah Moore in that offense. So we'll see. My pick will be Mingo because of the price. And that's kind of what I have to say about that uh, that team. You know, maybe do you want to say Corral's ceiling's a little bit lower? I suppose, but again, he's been proven over and over again that he can just shred the the weaker defenses in this conference, and LSU's certainly one of those. Um, so I think he's going to still be okay, and um, I wouldn't be scared to run him out there and think maybe his ceiling's too low now. I think he'll be just fine. So let's go on to the LSU side. And I think the quarterback situation is an important one. Max Johnson is probable and expected to start at quarterback. He had his first start last week in the Florida game when they uh, took down the Gators and uh, looked decent doing it. Uh, he, he wasn't bad, and I think the big, bigger story, too, is at the wide receiver position. They've had so many opt-outs now or injuries or what, whatever. Guys like um, you know, Terrace Marshall Jr. opted out. I think even uh, their stud tight end freshman, who's kind of a operates as a OW offensive weapon, not necessarily a receiver, not necessarily a tight end. Eric Gilbert, he's done. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been Kayshawn Boutte has picked up the slack. I talked about him earlier in the season. He's a redshirt freshman, very highly recruited. And um, he's kind of the, the last man standing in a lot of ways as far as a de facto wide receiver one with the absence of all the guys I mentioned over the last couple of weeks. He's had 13 catches, 219 yards, and one touchdown. Um, so I think that he's the guy. I think he's one of my favorite, kind of like a Brevin Jordan last week. We talked about the Open there. This is one of those favorite, you know, price, floor, ceiling candidates. He's got the matchup. He's got decent quarterback play, and he has the role where I think he's the clear kind of top receiver at the moment for that offense. So um, I really like him at 5,700 this week and going to be a, a, probably a core player for me. 
the other guys, you know, wide receivers, Coy Moore, Jare Jenkins, John Trey Kirkland. I think all these guys are good for, you know, three to four catches probably as a floor. And there's some decent touchdown upside in a game that projects have quite a bit of scoring in it, and I, I believe it will. So, um, yeah, I think all those guys are, are, are decent targets and have uh, decent prices as well. So you're not you're not breaking your bank to buy in, into this offense this week uh, with all those guys I just named at receiver. At the running back position, Chris Curry was given 17 carries last week in that W over Florida. That's the most since week one um, when he's had he got nine carries for 47 yards. He was a DNP against AM and Bama. So I don't know if this has been, I, I believe it was an undisclosed injury he was being held out for. Um, maybe some COVID situations as well that he was, they were being precaution keeping him out. But they all of a sudden just gave him 17 touches last week, and that was way more than he's been getting. And uh, Torian Davis Price also, I believe, has announced that he is either unavailable or opted out. Not sure, but he's not going to play in this game. So, uh, that leaves Curry in a pretty solid position. If he can get that volume of 4,100 at the running back position, I think it could be a really nice day for him and a really nice price. So definitely someone I would consider if I'm paying down at running back right now this week. Uh, those are my thoughts on that game. Let's get on to the small 10 title game. It is the Northwestern Wildcats against Ohio State. Ohio State minus 20 and a half over under 57 and a half. You're looking at kind of a 38 to 18-ish script here. Um, the big story on Northwestern side is the running back situation where in their last regular, quote-unquote, regular season game, um, Cam Porter and Evan Hall dominated the touches. Isaiah Bauer, who's been mostly the lead back role this year, kind of completely took a back seat. And so what does it all mean? I don't know, and I don't know if I'm going to really pay to find out or bother. Um, it, it's such a drastic um, kind of separation from what they were doing all year long that I don't know that I can trust it. Uh, going into this week in the championship game, you know, in in a uh, Cam Porter is really good. He had the big game. I think he had over 20 carries in that game against Illinois last week. Uh, but I don't know what that necessarily translates to this game and what they're going to do here. And also, you, you got to pay 5,700 to find out for uh, Cam Porter. And I don't. Again, I talk about this all the time, but any uncertainty uh, at the running back position, any game, this is a bad game script. Thing. Um, playing time is maybe up in the air all over the place. The weather, the usage, it's a, bit, a lot of uncertainty there. So I don't like paying those around, you know, high 5K, low 6K prices when there's all these on paper kind of peripheral things that are eh, not questionable, highly questionable. So some I'm just going to avoid altogether. The only other thing I think I would consider is the services of one Wide receiver, Ramad Chakiao Bowman. You should be proud of me. I Googled that to make sure I pronounced that correct, and that is correct. Um, he's at 4,400. He's definitely the clear top receiver in this offense. Now, look, there's not a lot of throwing here. Quarterback play is, uh, you know, it's okay with Peyton Ramsey. But I think there's probably going to be some positive passing script here. He's shown in a few games this year he can get to that 7-8 catch range. I think at 4,400 with the probably passing-friendly script here that he's, they're going to have in the second half, I think if he can get at that range for catches um, at 4,400, that's a uh, nice value there. So, remember the name. Let's get out of this game and move on.
Next up is Minnesota at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is minus 12 and a half over under 47 and a half. Kind of a 30 to 18-ish type projection. So the first thing I have down here for Minnesota is not exactly the week I want to burn 9K on Muhammad Ibrahim. They're uh, stud running back for the Gophers there. Um, he has everything you need, you want um, for fantasy purposes. The rule, um, he gets all the goal line work, catches passes. But this is just a uh, tough matchup here with Wisconsin. They rank third in the nation, giving up 83 yards to um, on the ground game to opposing offenses. So I don't know that I want to burn 9K, like I said, um, on him. That's just a... Uh, a spot where you want to avoid running into a buzzsaw there. It doesn't mean it can't work. It doesn't mean he can't have a good game. I mean, easily could have, like, you know, say, like, 24 carries, 70 yards, and three touchdowns. It's possible. It's just um, I'm not willing to pay for it. The matchup is uh, it scares me. So the other guy for Minnesota I want to talk about is wide receiver Chris Altman-Bell uh, with Rashad Bateman now opting back out again. Um, he is kind of the main guy there um, at receiver for the Gophers. Going to be Tanner Morgan, quarterback Tanner Morgan's top target there. Again, not a not a matchup where I, I'm really investing hard in him, but he's the one guy I would consider in the offense just given that he has the clear number one spot as the pass catcher for Minnesota. The secondary series you may want to look at now that um, Rashad Bateman is out as well. Daniel Jackson, their last game, had three catches for 43 yards. He's at 3,300. Clay Gary, um, he is at 3,600. 3, he had four catches for 32 yards in the last game. So some guys, maybe you're looking at that range, you just want kind of a building block piece, take a gamble on someone. Those are the guys from Minnesota that might work out in that profile. Other than that, not much to say for the Minnesota offense. So let's go to Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota D allows 431 yards per game, over 30 points per game. And this is why in the post I wrote about kind of one of my deeper paydown candidates if I'm trying to pay down a quarterback, which I attempt to do almost every week. If I can get, if I, I believe I can get, you know, like 15 to 20 points out of that position and pay something like Graham Mertz's price for Wisconsin at 5,700, I am going to do that almost every time. It helps out uh, paying up at the running back and wide receiver positions on the board. So um, I think with him, it's a tale of kind of the first two games and then the last three games they've played. If you look at that, uh, it's fairly simple. The first games were against Illinois and Michigan. He put up a great game and a decent game in those games, um, fantasy-wise. And then the last three games, they've played Northwestern, um, what was off the top of my head, Indiana, and another good defensive team, Iowa, I believe it is. So those are, besides Wisconsin, those are the best defensive teams in the small 10. So I think here you're getting that, again, that weaker kind of um, poor defensive, bottom three defensive team in the Big Ten with Minnesota. So I think this is a spot where Graham Mertz can actually uh, return value here, maybe get you that 15 to 20K DK points like he did in the first two games of the season where he was uh, he lit Illinois up big time in the first game, had five touchdowns, then he had two touchdowns the next game against Michigan, who's really terrible on defense as well. So um, I think he's worth a look if you're looking to pay down for that position. Other than that, for the Wisconsin offense, uh, running back Jalen Berger sat out last game. He ended up being a late scratch. If he plays, I think um, he's a great value at 5K. Again, Minnesota really bad, especially against the run on defense. 
And then if he doesn't play, Nakia Watson was the guy who got most of the work when he was out. He's 3,600. So that definitely someone you want to consider as a pay down option at running back if Berger sits again. Um, other than that, just not much to say with this um, offensive game. You got an over-under of 47.5. I think if I'm paying up for prices uh, at receiver, the, the way the receivers cost for Wisconsin, I think I'm going to pay elsewhere. So let's move on to Clemson at Notre Dame. Clemson minus 10.5, over-under of 60. Kind of have a 35-25-ish um, type script here. Going to be 50 and sunny at B of A Stadium. It's Bank of America in Charlotte, North Carolina, the home of the Carolina Panthers. It is a revenge game for the Tigers. And I think the big thing I wrote on here is game flow. What I mean by that is with Clemson, week to week, usually they have all this whacked out game flow where if a guy like, say, Amari Rogers doesn't score in the first half of the four to five touchdowns that they usually get on offense, it's kind of a blown week for him, um, for, D, for DK purposes, that is. And so this is why I think I really think he's the biggest benefactor for a matchup like this, because if ND can just kind of keep it close for four quarters, Amari Rodgers, I think, is someone who's going to benefit where the Clemson offense is still going to play um, in a, a regular scheme. They're going to be throwing the ball well into the fourth quarter, and they're not going to be uh, – and then also Amari Rodgers will be on the field, of course. Uh, for all four quarters. So I think he is one of the bigger benefactors. I think he can compete for the highest wide receiver on the board for a slate like this. And at 6,500, uh, strong consideration there. I think he has great upside because he won't be a victim of whacked out Clemson game flow. Um, and then we know the rest with um, Clemson. I think the secondary receivers you're looking at are Frank Latson. He's on track to play. Uh, EJ Williams as well. He's He's been involved. They're at decent prices as secondary guys. And then we all know yeah, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, of course, uh, get him in there. I think Notre Dame did do a pretty good job against the run with Etienne last time, so I'm not so sure that's going to hold up two games in a row. I, th I think Clemson's going to really come to play here. I think they're going to try to prove a point. So um, speaking of which, on the other side, that was kind of the big thing um, in that last game with Clemson. Notre Dame put up 518 yards of total offense in that game. Kyron Williams uh, had a really nice game as well on the ground. So um, they held up really good against well, Clemson, who's a pretty good defensive team, very physical. Uh, so that was kind of surprising. I don't know that you're going to see that again. I don't know that I would expect the same type of production from a guy like Kyron Williams. Um, again, I my personal opinion doesn't take it or leave it. I think Clemson's going to try to prove a point here. I don't know that I want to pay up for Kyron Williams. I will, however, consider Javon McKinley. Um, he's been kind of coming on really strong as the clear wide receiver one. I've talked about him a lot this season. Uh, he had that really breakout game with three touchdowns uh, against Syracuse, yes, a few weeks ago. So that was um, that was good to see him and in, 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 uh, Ian Book kind of develop that nice chemistry, and I think he is the go-to guy there. And at 6,300, I think uh, he makes sense. Everyone else in the Notre Dame offense is too inconsistent, uh, very touchdown dependent. So um, I'm kind of Javon McKinley are probably bust here with this offense. So um, let's move on to next game. That is a rematch. I believe this is the Big 12 title game. It's Oklahoma at Iowa State. First time these two met, uh, it was a 37-30 victory for Iowa State. Um, both teams over 400 yards of offense in that game. 
On the OU side, what the difference is now is um, Ramondre Stevenson has been back now as the uh, clear RB1 in the offense, and he kind of checks all the boxes, right? He has the the volume, he has all the goal line work, catches passes, um, and he, his price reflects that. Um, I think he's around 8K, um, and I, I don't mind him here at all. I think he, he's, he's worth it on this slate. Um, but there's another guy I think a little cheaper I'm going to talk about later that I think I would actually um, pivot to because I think he has a very similar type um, profile that I, I like to pay for. So, But he's been um, the big story in that offense. I mean, even just catching passes, he's kind of been one of the better receivers on the team as well in the way Spencer Rattler distributes. Um, there's so much inconsistency in the volume week to week, even with guys like Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims. Uh, it's usually like a three or four catch game. Uh, and Charleston Rambo, a guy who I really like and think is really talented, he's kind of disappeared a little bit in the offense, and so is his price. He's down in the 3K range. And so I I think kind of my point is when I'm talking about these receivers in the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson, um, I'd rather pay down for someone like Charleston Rambo than pay the average price or even like 5K for Mims or I think 6K for Theo Weiss. There's just... There seems to be a limited ceiling week to week on the receivers here. And I guess with that inconsistency, I'd rather take a flyer on someone like Rambo because I'm not risking as much budget. So um, that's kind of my take there for the Oklahoma receivers and the running back position. And uh, feel free to um, deploy Ramon A. Stevenson. He'll, he'll be fine. On the Iowa State side, there's really no changes with Iowa State probably since, I would say, even early on in the season. It's a very well-established pecking order. The offense is a very Brock Purdy, Brees Hall production. Um, Brees Hall in the last matchup with Oklahoma in the game earlier in the season had a 28-139-2 line. And then after that, the only playable options week to week is pass catchers for me is Xavier Hutchinson and Char tight end Charlie Kohler. Hutchinson remains in that 5K range at 5,500. Kohler, 4,700. Both, I think, have um, solid value at those prices. And I think they can um, have nice games here against a Oklahoma D that's that's average at best. You know, I, again, that first game was a 37-30 victory for Iowa State. So they showed um, they can put up points and move the ball on this defense. So I, I wouldn't be bothered by um, the Sooner Steel Curtain D. Um, and I, I think Hutchinson and Kohler also really nice value plays um, under that average price. So um, consider them as well. But there's really nothing much else to talk about with Iowa State's offense so let's just move on to the next game it's boise state at san jose it's the mountain west championship game boise state is minus six and a half over under a 56 that makes us on script for like a 31 25 ish game as a vegas projection it is very simple with boise state haven't seen them a lot in contests but just kind of following them week to week and looking at their box scores and things like that turning to some of their games running back andrew van buren and wide receiver khalil shakur are the only playable options uh, in this offense, it's uh, very straightforward. Uh, Van Buren gets a ton of volume at running back position. Um, they don't really use anyone else in, in certain situations like goal line. So he has a nice role. I think he has a nice value around 6K. And then uh, Khalil Shakur, by far and away, is the leading receiver on this team. Um, clear up wide receiver one, and you're paying the price for it. I think he's at around 8,200. Some other options, I think just a guy they like to throw deep balls to. Um, catches, you know, big play guy is C.T. Thomas. He's at 4,400. He might be a, a nice dart throw in this offense, you know, catch a big bomb for a touchdown, but that's about it. So let's just move over to San Jose State. 
Um, I also think they're priced out properly. Running back Tyler Nevins and wide receiver Billy Gaither are the only uh, are the top position players on this team. Uh, wide receiver two, Trey Walker, solid price floor profile for him. Four catches or more in five of the six games this season for San Jose State. Um, but if you're wondering about QBs in this game here, I'd take uh, the aforementioned Graham Wirtz over both of them. So um, nothing more to really talk about here. Uh, it's very, um, if you look at their game logs, look at statistically, if you're watching their games, there's uh, very straightforward on who they're going to in their game plans and uh, who are their top receivers and running backs. So there it is, um, and I think they're properly priced too. Let's move on to three games left. It's an SEC matchup. Texas A&M at Tennessee. Yeah, three games left because this has been so funny this week um, as I'm pre preparing for this. And like, people are opting out left and right. <laughs> games are dropping like flies. So we're down to actually nine games for this slate. So that was like earlier today, I think two got canceled. And I was just like, okay, here we go. Um, anyway, Texas A&M, Tennessee. A&M is minus 14 over under 51 and a half. That puts us on pace for like a 33-18-ish type final score. Texas A&M, kind of similar to Iowa State, what I said is A&M, we know what they're doing. They're straightforward from a DFS standpoint at this point in the season. It's Isaiah Spiller at running back, and then kind of the running back slash wideout, Anaya Smith, are the guys to target in this offense. I think both are fairly priced. I like Anaya Smith from a price standpoint and the fact that he um, he's really kind of their second leading receiver on the team as well. He's good for probably three to five catches each week. I'd like to have that uh, mixed in with running backs as well. So he's probably good for 10 to 15 touches uh, this week in a good matchup. And then, um, you know, and again, like I said, with some of these guys, they're fairly priced. It's just a matter of hitting them on the right week. Uh, Tennessee D average at best. So I think this could be that right week for any of these guys. And then tight end Jaden Wordemeyer and wide receiver Chase Lane are the top two pass catchers besides Anaya Smith. Other than that, um, this is what it is with this offense. It's just a matter of hitting them on the right week. And I think with an at, with a projected like 33 points, I think you'll do fine with um, any of these guys. And there's good upside here. On the Tennessee side, I reiterate what I've said pretty much every week when Tennessee's in a slate, and it's Eric Gray or bust. Uh, quarterback play for Tennessee is just so bad that um, it makes guys like Josh Palmer and Jalen Hyatt, even though I like them as players and think they're very talented, they are uh, victims of horrifying quarterback play. So. There's just not much I can do with them. It just puts a big limit on their ceilings, and I look elsewhere. Uh, and speaking of Eric Gray, and I like him a lot as a player, very talented. AM's second best against the run in the SEC. So for his price, you know, kind of when I talk about those things with the matchups, it's like on paper, do I really want to burn um, 6K on someone like Eric Gray when I'm worried that they may not get to two offensive scores? Yeah, I don't know. So um, just something to think about if you're uh, hoping for, if you're putting Eric Gray in lineup, something to consider. Um, let's move on. It's Washington State at Utah, Pac-12 game. Haven't seen that a lot this year. Utah's minus 10 and a half, over under 56. You have a 33 to 23-ish Vegas projection. Not really interested in paying prices on wide receivers, Travell Harris and Renard Bell for Washington State, even though they're their top two pass catchers. Um, it's just not the matchup that I, I really want to pay for Utah. Typically one of the better defensive teams in the conference. They're first against the run as well. So um, even if you want to keep an eye on Mac Borgie's status at running back, Max that is. Um, even if he sits, a guy like 
Deion McIntosh has been filling in for the most part and been the go-to guy. He's at 5,300. I just don't know that I like this matchup uh, to pay any of these prices, really. So I'm kind of just out on Washington State. Let's move on to Utah because I want to talk about someone there. When I was talking earlier about oh, Ramondre Stevenson, I think I actually have someone who could probably outperform him or at least equal him, who's maybe saved maybe a grand. And that is running back Ty Jordan. Has that great profile I like to pay for. He has the role, gets the goal line work. Uh, you know, he's got that cowbell. He catches passes. Usually doesn't come off the field on third downs. And uh, great matchup, good game script, all that stuff, right? Everything is right on paper. And um, at that kind of that, the price isn't going to kill you, maybe like a Stevenson's or like a Brees Hall's. Um, I would pivot to this guy. I think he has everything you need on paper. You just got to go out there and do it against a uh, weaker defensive team in Washington State. So I like Ty Jordan a lot. Probably going to be everywhere in my lineups. And then the other guy is a tight end, Brant Kuth. I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's Kuthe or Kuth, Kuthi, Kuethe, whatever. Anyway, 4,100, at least three catches in every game. They've only played four this season, but um, he's, he, I guess, quote unquote, leads the team in catches with uh, 19, I believe it is. So, um, you know, it, if you're looking to pay down, I think he's he's had, I think, a couple of those games has gotten to like maybe five or six catches. Not a bad price on him, um, but uh, I don't know. Washington State, I haven't seen him play a lot. I haven't seen the quarterback. I don't know that I uh, don't know that I want to pay a whole lot. Or sorry, Utah. I'm sorry. Haven't seen their quarterback play a lot, so don't know what, what I want to make of this yet. They're just a very run-heavy team, so that's why I'm, I'm sticking with my Ty Jordan. But anyway, consider that tight end. He's at least a good price. We have one game left. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Not really one of my favorites, but it has a guy that I wrote about in the post today who I think is um, an interesting guy to target, kind of like um, Keishon Boutte for LSU. This guy's kind of been a similar light. So it is Missouri at Mississippi State. It is a uh, Missouri minus one over under 49 and a half. It's a 25-24-ish projection here for this game from Vegas. So for Missouri, team leader in catches, wide receiver Jalen Knox is ruled out of this game. So it's going to increase opportunity for Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazleton, who Chisholm has been um, probably the more of the go-to guy anyway as of late. Um, so they're both in the 4K range. I think you can um, look for maybe a little bump in their ceilings this week because of Knox's absence. Also potential boost on Toski Dove and Barrett Bannister in the 3K range. Um, probably rather have a guy like Jonathan Mingo that we talked about earlier because of the game projection there and all the opt-outs. And just, I think, I think you want uh, the quarterback plays better, all that stuff, just more explosive offense. So probably have rather have a guy like Mingo than Dove or Bannister. But I think those are the guys that you want to focus on if you're looking at this game and you're trying to guess who may benefit from Knox's absence in the 3K range and then the 4K range, like the guys I mentioned. Um, I think Chisholm probably sees the most benefit and he's been um having some nice games lately anyway so those are the guys that you want to consider in kind of the biggest storyline with that receiving core and then uh msud decent against the run they're fourth ranked in the uh, conference so i'm kind of like we're comparing at certain price ranges larry roundtree is 6900 so if i'm looking there if i just need a hundred more to get to ty jordan i'm going ty jordan every time for utah so um, just something to think about there if, if you're going to spend 6900 on Larry Roundtree. 
So, and on the other side, Mississippi State, the guy I want to talk about was a wide receiver freshman, Jaden Wally. Pretty much the only bright spot um, in MSU's kind of stretch run here and kind of trying to build for the future with uh, quarterback Will Rogers. So his last three games, seven for 115 in touchdown at Georgia, nine for 176 in the Egg Bowl against Ole Miss, eight for 100 last week against Auburn, 5,900 uh, 5, this week. He now leads after those three t- games, now leads the team in catches and yards for the season. So um, I, I just think I wrote about this on the site, but I think that, you know, that's three games in a row now. I mean, this isn't like some fluky thing. I, I think this guy's for real. And um, that's, you know, I, is is his floor eight catches for 100 yards? I don't know necessarily, but at $5,900, if you're paying that for those types of games, um, that's a real nice, you know, again, price, floor, ceiling, candidate. That combo meal right there. Uh, like Kayshawn Boutte, I think definitely someone late season that based on recent performances, that price probably hasn't adjusted to a fair market value. Where it probably should be at this point, probably closer to 65, maybe even 7K. Um, so I think there's great value there, and he has a great chance to continue to outperform his price, even at 5,900. Only other guy I want to mention was wide receiver Austin Williams at 3,900. Um, you know, he, I think he has, in every game this season, he, he's that little slot guy who gets like intermediate routes, probably four to five catches. At 3,900, hey, you know, if you're looking at that range, he's a pretty good floor guy. So um, that is it. I am out on running backs for um, Mississippi State. Complete mess. Has been a complete mess since Kylan Hill opted out. So that's it. Those are the nine games. I did it. You did it. We did it. Um, also, editorial note, the NFL segment been canceled. But yeah, the doctor opted out this week. Uh, scheduling became a tough thing for him. So I will uh, I will tweet out our picks. Probably don't want to know about them anyway, based on what's happened last week. But um, yeah, and I, I think we'll be back next. I, I don't you know I don't know what's going to happen next week. And college football in general has just been a complete disaster. So um, potentially. Maybe last CFB DFS pod for the year. We'll uh, we'll see, but um, I'll keep you posted either way. Follow on the Twitter at SportsPodHookup and um, follow on the gram at SportsPodHookup for any updates. And follow me at RealBobbyAdcock on Twitter as well. And I uh, just want to say um, good luck to everyone playing this week, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.